1: homers episode 39 we are now officially in the off season unfortunately this is the lull between the next major college sport being football and really it's a college sports lull in general i don't even know what tech has on the docket besides track that's still in season so we are truly nearing the true dead period in college sports baseball's season ended unfortunately early for everyone against notre dame they fell just short of forcing a must win Super regional or regional final to advance to the super. So Notre Dame will advance to face Tennessee hosts, uh, Georgia Southern, other participant UNC Greensboro also were disappointed in their hopes to move on. We're going to spend today covering baseball and kind of trying to provide some closure on that season. um, Largely because once we move past this kind of episode, we'll be pretty limited in our baseball topics. Occasionally guys will announce there's been some announcements today, which we'll get to. And we'll, we'll circle back to it, but baseball recruiting is quieter and different than other sports. So a lot of that you'll be able to read about from Jack, but we'll come to it as we go. But this will be the last episode with heavy baseball focus, and it'll be a shorter episode in general. We're going to change up our format to more of a 30, 45 minute off season schedule. That way we're not, you know, running out of stuff to talk about one during the off season and two, we can keep things a little bit more concise. We're out of the sports season. But we're going to open the baseball talk with, I think, an opportunity for everybody to just kind of process what almost happened. Uh, You know, it's hard with these end of season episodes because you don't want to beat up a team that can't do anything about it. You don't want to focus too much on the negative in a sport with which there is no more to be played. But it does remain to be seen for the sake of, you know, some sort of general catharsis, closure, whatever you want to call it, to talk about what went wrong in the regional. The answer is pretty obvious, but we'll open up a discussion to talk about what we saw, and then we'll move on to talking about things like who's going to return, who's already announced they're leaving, who's for sure leaving, who do we think's going, recruiting, et cetera, to kind of give you guys a look to the future besides just dwelling on the past. But we'll start on the regional itself. And I'm going to start with Jack here on this one, and we're going to open it up kind of in a uh, uh, – we're going to get to the Notre Dame and the ultimate end, but I want to start – with coming into the regional the first couple of games. The reason why is because I think that um, there is something to be said for focusing, you know, kind of on how the regional played out before we talk to the inevitable defeat. But, so I'll start with this question. You know, Jack, we, we, we all know that the offense was the problem this weekend, and we're going to talk at nauseum about it. What I want to focus on instead is, when you look at the results from this regional, was anything really much of a surprise? I mean, games one through four, were you ever, did anything catch you off guard with how any of this bracket played out? You know, what did you see from the regional field as a whole and kind of your just general sense as we started the regional and then proceeded to, through the first couple of games?
0: Well, in my opinion, after doing research on it for a couple of days and, uh, kind of getting a grasp for all these teams that were involved in it. The whole regional itself really surprised me. I don't think the matchups in the regional final surprised me really. I think a lot of people expected Tech and Notre Dame to meet up in that anyway. But overall, just the way um, teams performed, and it kind of kind of surprised me. You know, uh, UNC Greensboro was super hot. They had won like five of their last six games of the regular season, and then lost the opening round in their conference tourney and then won the rest. They won out to win their conference tournament, and that's how they got in. I mean, so they were super hot. Granted, it was against less competition, but, you know, theoretically in baseball, it's one of those sports where if you get hot playing anyone, you know, it can carry over. So I was really surprised that UNC Greensboro – went two and out and didn't even score a run. Uh, you know, they got blanked eight to nothing by Georgia Southern and then, uh, tech blanked them two to nothing. So, uh, I, I thought that was, I thought that was really strange. Um, I also thought, uh, Georgia Southern only scoring one run against us was, was pretty strange, uh, at their home ballpark, uh, nonetheless, don't want to. i mean I don't want to take away anything from our pitching because I'll get to that but the whole the regional as a whole I kind of thought that it would be more of a high flying kind of like the uh stillwater regional was you know I'm not expecting you know 44 runs in a ball game by any means but you know I thought at least a couple of these get you know in above five and get to the 10 you know maybe 10 to eight, you know, 12 to 10, you know, maybe someone even gets 14, you know, 14 to eight, something like that, you know, just a little more high scoring. Um, I think it really speaks to the weather conditions of the weekend. The conditions were not letting the ball jump at all. Uh, I think I want to say, and if I'm wrong, I'll get corrected later, but I want to say that there might've been, two home runs in the whole regional. I don't know if that's, or there's three, there are three, I believe. Um, but as a whole tech didn't hit one. Um, I mean, obviously we'll talk about what happened with the offense, but, um, I think that's that aspect of the regional really surprised me. Um, the attendance really surprised me. Um, it was low. I mean, granted, it's a small, it's a smaller school and I I think they can only fit like 2,900 in that ballpark. But even in the elimination game, when tech was playing the hosts, I mean, they only, they barely got 2,100 in there. So they still had 800 open seats. Um, I don't know if that's speaking to the point that, you know, maybe they were just as surprised as, everyone else that they were hosting. Um, I don't mean to speak ill on this team. I mean, good for them for being able to get this far and host. Um, I was not impressed with the ballpark. Um, the weather was bad for the first day, at least. It kind of backed things up a little bit. Um, you, when, you, when you are in a regional and, at least two of the teams are power five D ones who are used to recent success. And, you know, we pack Dan law for every game. And I guarantee you, even in the day, in the weekday games, we get about 2,500 to show up. So, um, again, I don't want to speak ill on Georgia Southern and their fans or anything, but you know, I, I, I wasn't impressed uh really i i i mean yeah i'm sure the scenery around the ballpark was good i, I wasn't really impressed with anything else uh i didn't really like the configurations of the park uh, that that right field monster thing is really dumb um i like the one in auburn because it's in left field and it makes a little bit more sense it's kind of an ode to fenway but having it in right field really doesn't make sense to me um but other than team like other than text performance, uh, which we'll get to in a bit, that's those are just some of the things that surprised me for the weekend. Yeah, I think
1: I think the regional played out maybe in a different manner than most expected, but the result was what we all anticipated. I, I think um, Notre Dame demonstrated once and for all how good that pitching staff is, you know, it's not a particularly great offensive Notre Dame team hasn't been their calling card. It was a good offensive Notre Dame team, not a great one, but what, you know, in a ballpark that just was not playing very offensive, you were not going to win games big. There wasn't a chance to get much separation. Um, you know, Notre Dame's pitching staff demonstrated that they just don't make many mistakes. Uh, I felt bad for UNC Greensboro. You know, this was a brutal region to we'll be in as a 4C, getting shut out twice and sent home sucked for them. Um, I felt really bad for the host, Georgia Southern. I also was not impressed by the ballpark. Uh, I thought it looked kind of run down, old. Um, the, 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 how the ballpark played, I don't know if that's typical or not, but I don't like ballparks that don't play you know, like the, the the stupid monster in right field that literally robbed Jace Young of a home run that would have sent Tech to that must-win regional game. Um, you know, stuff like that. Like, I don't like any of those little touches. Uh, it, it's not the it, – look, it, it they earned the hosting spot. I wasn't that impressed by the facilities. But, you know, that's 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 kind of the point. It was kind of a surprise Georgia Southern hosted. And I felt really bad that their reward by the committee for a historic school season was – Notre Dame, who absolutely is a not just a top-16 team, a top-10 team in the nation, and Texas Tech, who was, we all more or less know, was like a game against OU and a game in the Big 12 tournament away from being potential hosts themselves. That sucked, you know, to, to, to get that matchup for your, your regional and getting just, you know kind of not pushed around, those were competitive games, but you were outclassed in both games by a, a margin. You know, it, it, is not, it is not unusual that Tech and Notre Dame both took care of business against the host. It is a bit unusual that uh, it was solo scoring, which also I think speaks to, you know, how screwed Georgia Southern was. As Tech could not hit the ball, was pitching short-staffed and still had enough in the tank to get past them. Um, you know, I, I got a little bit of satisfaction sitting host home, the rain screwed with their attendance. I felt really bad about that as well. The weather was terrible and that screwed with it. I think it's, it robbed that stadium of a chance to put together a really big show. Um, you know, I, I didn't watch the Notre Dame, Georgia Southern game, but I have to imagine that was the only well-attended game of the regional because of all the delays. Um, you know, Georgia Southern's about to go home and I thought the stadium looked like, you know, 10, 15% empty. And that, that was pretty wild to me for a stadium that, you, for a first time host. Um, my biggest impression from the regional, besides you know everything else, is um, that it wasn't that shocking, you know, at all. I, I I don't haven't looked too much around the country, but not a ton of upsets, and there were none in this regional. Everybody who was supposed to win won. Um, nobody nobody pulled off an upset, not even one and that that kind of was surprising you know to me personally the biggest takeaway from that is the committee didn't do a good job in this regional it shouldn't be the case that the number one seed is like the third favorite and played like the third favorite i mean it it just was a poorly designed regional and that was my biggest takeaway like why the fuck is notre dame's reward for not hosting and then Doing what we all thought they were gonna do, which is win this regional. Why the fuck are they playing Tennessee next? Like that's ridiculous. Like, here's your runner-up consolation prize for being first loser out on the hosting. You get to play Georgia Southern, great, and then Tennessee. So their season's probably over. And the only thing they did wrong was had games canceled because of weather. And you know that that's that's chicken shit. But the committee, it, so the regional was not well designed. It wasn't good matchups. You know, Georgia Southern battled hard. Everybody battled hard. It was a hard-fought regional. But at the end of the day, it was kind of chalk. And so, you know, the committee didn't do anybody a service building it this way. It would have been better to move some of these teams elsewhere. Give Georgia Southern a difficult regional, being the 16 C. You're not going to get a cake walk at two and three. But don't put two two potential hosts in one regional plus Georgia Southern was suicide for them. And that that, that was my big takeaway. I thought that. You know, not to make excuses, Tech could have beaten Notre Dame, should have beaten Notre Dame. I don't want to pretend that they could have gotten out of any other regional. That's not the point of this. I'm just saying for Georgia Southern's sake, for Notre Dame's sake, for Tech's sake, for UNC Greensboro's sake, it would have been better if the committee had built this regional differently. So, Kendall, we're going to go to you now, and I'm going to change the question a little bit. Let's focus on the first Notre Dame game now. We're going to go by this regional kind of one game. We're going to go by this regional kind of a couple games at a time. But I'm going to start this off with you and the the first Notre Dame game. What was your sense watching that first game with the massive rain delay and all that noise going on in it?
2: I think that game was honestly lost in the first inning more than anything. Not even the fact with the delay. Um, I think, what was it, Tech getting the bases juiced or or at least two on and not being able to score anything, and then Morris was just – absolutely awful to start that game he couldn't get anything inside the plate he was pitching everything outside and uh, I think we all kind of just got the sense that uh, we were pretty screwed not even four batters in on Notre Dame's side and uh, you know Kurt Wilson had the bases juiced I think there was one out and we really couldn't deliver and that's when I feel like really that's when I lost, like, a lot of hope, I think, for this regional because – um, which is sad in the first inning of the first game, but, like, I, I just kind of got a really bad vibe right off the bat. And after the delay, I think, uh, pitching-wise, we looked a lot better. Chase Hampton was just phenomenal. I can't say enough about the way he came out and kind of just saved Tech's ass and kept us in that game. Um, When a lot – really – at least personally, I felt that um, with the way our bullpen had just been performing all season, uh, there wasn't a lot of confidence there. But uh, he was just amazing. And, you know, to have a chance at the end of that first game, if Tech could have gotten out of that and somehow gotten a win, um, I would have been feeling very confident in our chances to get out of the regional. But, you know, that wild pitch in the in the ninth, or in the eighth, right, just giving the lead right back to Notre Dame. Uh, it, it was really just a ugly game in general, with, the, especially with the bats after that first inning. Uh, Tech could not get anything going consistently. Um, it felt like every time we had runners in scoring position, uh, it felt like there was no point in even watching the next at-bat because it, I just feel like I knew that Tech wasn't going to do anything. But... Also, that's a Notre Dame's pitcher. I can't remember his name, but he he was throwing gas after the delay. Uh, you know, going from a pitcher that was throwing, if you're lucky, high 80s, low 90s to a guy that was throwing consistent high 90s uh, was probably an adjustment that Tech wasn't expecting. But also, the dude, I think, had over uh, 5 ERA, so him coming out and probably having his best game of the season against tech also wasn't ideal. But, uh, the thing that just sucks is there was so, and it was kind of a theme for the whole regional. Really? There were so many missed opportunities and that game kind of just really, you could watch that game and I could say that just kind that game specifically just was Tech's regional really put all together into one game because, um, even when we did get those two run back and we were tied, uh, didn't even take an inning to screw it up again. So uh, I, I personally think that, um, you know, getting as far as we did after that terrible start with the delay and everything and our pitching staff being very uh, shorthanded was phenomenal. I think kind of the way we bounced back after that first game was. Uh, great, even though our bass didn't get going. Our pitching staff was just elite uh, throughout the weekend. But um, I just really feel like we lost this regional in the first inning of that Notre Dame game, and that kind of stings because if you um, are able to score early in that first game, I think that uh, we're probably still preparing for a Super Regional right now, which is weird to say, but that's just kind of baseball – one play, one inning can change your entire season. And I've kind of been harping on that all season. And uh, really just us not being able to capitalize early in that game really just kind of screwed us for the rest of the regional.
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, the problem with, with losing game one of a regional format is it's just such a long path to make the super. It's why it doesn't happen almost ever in baseball for a team to lose game one and come back. Um, I think Sam Houston state did it to tech a few years ago, but otherwise, like I don't know of another example of it happening in the last, you know, four or five years of a team who lost game one and then made it all the way back to the super, because you just got, you got to win so many games and you have to beat a team twice that already beat you once, which means your other two arms that they're going to see have to be on. Um, what's kind of crazy about the regional whole, and we'll get to this, you know, UNCG and Georgia Southern are more of the same as what we saw against Notre Dame. Tech couldn't hit for shit and pitched well, but the overall, you know, kind of problem with this regional, and I'll get, let Jack weigh in on this, is if you had told me that the thing that was going to fail Tech was the, the pitching, I would have said, okay, because we all knew Tech didn't have more than a few arms in the stable, And we all knew that if something was going to go wrong in the regional, it was going to be a lack of arms. So it was really disappointing to get, you know, through game one, two and three and realize that the pitching is phenomenal. You know, Morris was not good to start the Notre Dame game, but he gets pulled because of the rain delay and everybody else, including Morris, on his return pitches lights out. And that, that's the most heartbreaking part of this is that was what you'd been missing all year. If Tech had pitched this well throughout the season, this consistently well, they would have won the Big 12 and would have been a host and would have been a 2 3 seed. Like that, that's what was missing. So it was really hard to stomach that um, through those first three games. It was the, the UNC great G game was almost unwatchable. I mean, it was literally like I, I debated turning it off, and I'm the guy live tweeting it just because it, I was sick to my stomach watching an 80-mile-per-hour pitcher strike out guy after guy after guy. I mean, the, the approach to the plate was terrible. Everything about it was bad. It was hard to watch, you know, and credit to the pitching staff because that's a pressure pack situation. I'm sure they clued in that, you know, this was a different kind of weekend. They're not going to get the run support. They knew they had to be perfect. And, you know, Birdsell got himself into jams and would get himself out of jams. And, you know, all these guys would get themselves in jams and get themselves out of jams. They just They were just – I won't say they were perfect, but they were as close to perfect as you can be as a college pitcher at this level. Um, in this situation, it had to be mentally exhausting. It had to be physically exhausting to do that. So for those first three game, two next two games against UNCG and Georgia Southern, I was really impressed because you once you got to that final and you just were truly out of arms, you know, and you're going to be recycling people and throwing hit and all this stuff. Like you kind of figured. There might be a little bit of slippage, and even then there really wasn't. But those first two games right after that regional loss in game one were especially impressive because that could have been a moment for the pitching staff to pack it in. You were not going to get help this weekend. It was a foregone conclusion that they were not going to hit and that if you were anything less than perfect, you were screwed, and a lot of guys would not have been able to handle that, especially right after that Notre Dame loss in a long night. So I was extremely impressed with what they managed to accomplish in games two and three. Um, I, I as good as they were all weekend. It remains to be said that that UNCG game was maybe one of the most impressive things I'd seen all year. You know, you're not up against a very good team. You get your ace on the mound. He's getting hit. I I think he gave up like five hits in the first two innings. They weren't able to bring him home because he just put his head down and went to work. And that could have been a moment where the staff just quit, especially Birdsell. Birdsell has to be exhausted. I mean, he threw so many pitches this year. He had to be perfect in every game to have a chance. It it, it it was truly something to watch, you know, your, your ace go to war like that, and then the guys behind him really step up and support him when he couldn't go as deep as maybe you would have thought he normally would have. Um, so, Jack, now we're going to get to that last Notre Dame game before we start looking to roster makeup and the out year. I mean, what did you think watching that final game? What are your big impressions? What what did, what did that tell you about this team at the future of the program?
0: It got it, – I mean – it was miserable to watch. Um, but it got me really excited. Honestly, it got me excited about the future of the program, especially from a pitching standpoint. Um, for those that don't know, I'll do a little quick jump ahead for the roster. We only, we're only graduating one pitcher. Um, I'm sure there will, there will be, uh, a few hit the portal and I'm sure that we're, we'll receive a couple in the portal. Um, but it the pitching got was really exciting. Um, yeah, you know, Jamie hit got the loss, gave up. He only gave up a run in three on three hits in two and two thirds. It's not bad. Uh, Beckel came in and pretty much gave the same stat line. He let up in let in a run on two hits uh, in two and a third. But then uh, I think the performance of the weekend and uh from a bullpen uh pitcher i would say uh, was was josh sanders after after beckle came out and sanders came in uh sanders goes two and two thirds only giving up three hits uh no runs no walks three strikeouts uh faced 10 guys and threw 43 pitches um it was the best he's pitched all year And, uh, it's, it's really exciting. Uh, you know, it's really exciting considering he's just a sophomore this year, so he should be back and he, he got a lot of run this year. So I, I, I would be very surprised if he's not back. Um, but overall having a bullpen game like that and, and only giving up two runs, I mean, if you would have told me that in the regional final we threw that we had to throw a bullpen game, and we only let up two runs. I mean, if you say that before the regional starts, that's your best case scenario. I mean, you're down to nothing, and you threw five guys. Who, you know? I mean, let's be honest about the situation. You flip a coin as to what was going to happen. You know. Half of me was saying, you know, they could come out here and pitch solid like this bullpen has all regional. And the other half of me was thinking, you know, is Notre Dame going to score 15 runs? You just really didn't know. And these guys pitched their tail off. The whole pitching staff um, was the bright spot of the weekend for me. Um, it, gets me it gets me really pumped about um, what this team could be next year. Uh, we're going to have to replace a lot on offense. um, But knowing that we have a good amount of guys with experience, plus you're getting guys like Brendan Gurtain and Hayd Key back from injury. Also, um, depending on how bad uh, Trendon Parrish's injury is, uh, he'll be back at some point. So, uh, I'm really, I am really curious to take a look at the injury report, the postseason injury report that they'll release. I don't know when they'll the, typically it's about a week or two after the season's over. It kind of sheds a whole lot of light on, uh, what injuries are where and, uh, you know, what exactly the injury was. Uh, I think the worst case scenario with that would be if Trendon Parrish, uh, has to have Tommy John then uh, he probably won't be back until the end of next year he might have to take a uh, he might have to take a uh, medical red shirt but other than that you know I think that the most thing that the the best thing that I took away from that game was just how good our pitchers looked and uh, it gets me it really does it truly does get me excited about uh, what this pitching staff and this bullpen looks like in the future.
1: The the biggest takeaway, or the, the guy I want to give the most love to, is also Josh Sanders, uh, and Crowley, who comes up after him, because those who who no one, literally nobody, would have wanted to throw either of those two guys in a must win regional game. You know, that, that sounds kind of mean, but that's just reality. If you told most Tech fans that's where you're going with your bullpen, most Tech fans would have expected that something went disastrously wrong and you're getting bounced two and queue. You know, like that. that's, that's just that kind of situation where if you are going that deep in your bullpen, most Tech fans are expecting like a 15-run opposition score minimum. And those two guys were phenomenal. And especially, I, I talked about this previously with games two and three, you know when you know your offense can't get it done, and you're still going out there with you know, knowing you haven't performed great this year. You know I I don't even know when was the last time Crowley pitched. I don't think he threw a single weekend game. I mean I think he,
0: they said I think they said the last time he pitched was in uh, was in March it was in late March or something.
1: Yeah, like it, he he had not gotten any run time, and Tech basically said go get a save right? Like that's what they asked him to do with, with that kind of game. His, the only, they asked him, you cannot give up a run because we can't get more than one back. And he went and did that. And then that, 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 that's wild that you saw that from a guy who I honest to God didn't know what he looked like and didn't know his name. I had no idea who that was. I knew who Sanders was. He had gotten some runtime this year, some good pitches. He just hadn't done particularly well in a lot of moments, but, he had th- gotten some, some chances. Crowley was a guy. I had no idea who the hell he was. So those two guys going out and being as good as anybody in the regional was really something. The future of the program, look, it, I think there's a lot of talent still in tech, and I think the recruiting classes will fill out. We'll see who leaves. I think Morris is likely gone, and um, I think, you know, obviously Jace Young's gone, Birdsell's gone, so you're losing some key leaders besides the graduates to the draft. But – This does bring a question, and I asked this on on the forum. I'm going to let Kendall answer it because we got some interesting answers. But uh, if you could pick one guy on this year's team that you got to keep, you know, he he either senior or going to the draft or whatever the case may be, if you could just pick one and he had to stay one more year, who are you taking?
2: I mean, I feel like the obvious answer would be Birdsell, but I'm going to go with jace young just because i wish he had another chance to kind of prove himself after the way that he kind of sucked the last half of the year uh he really struggled and especially in this regional and really up until his very last at bat uh you know it sucked just seeing that ball go off that huge ass wall in right field um i would love to have him back just for him to kind of get his swagger back and Cause when he, when he was playing confident and playing at his best, he was to me, one of my favorite players to watch, you know, just his swagger, especially like that Texas series, you know, how intense he got. Uh, that's just the type of energy. I love to see, especially, uh, in college baseball. Uh, he is like everything that to me just makes it fun. And, um, you know, Birdsell would also be one I would love to ha- have back, but there's obvi- he's already announced that he's gone. But Jace Young, if we could have him back for one more season, I think that he would be coming back with uh, a lot to play for. And I think it's probably not likely, but him coming back is kind of just like my dream scenario because um, with how much we're losing, a guy like that, a veteran leader with also that much talent would really just be – amazing to have next year
1: jace young is an interesting character from the perspective like the draft you know he's he's not going to be a defensive guy um he's going to be a dh unless you know somebody in the mlb wants to take on a project it's not that he's a bad infielder he's just not necessarily a big league infielder he reminds me a lot of zach zubia from texas a few years ago Um, You know, Katie really hit the ball really, really hard, but like just doesn't fit anywhere on the diamond otherwise. So you just kind of let him hit. So I don't know if his, if what's happened to him lately has impacted his draft stock enough that he considers coming back. I doubt it. I don't, I haven't seen anywhere that he's fallen out of the first round. As long as he's in the first round, I imagine he elects to leave. You can't turn down that kind of money. Um, You just can't do it because there's no guarantee he gets out of this slump. Right. Like if he gets a big contract and can get, into the, you know, into the minor leagues for a few years, like, and then his career, like, if he doesn't get out of the slump, at least he got paid. I don't think he slumps much longer. I think this was unusual. I think he started to feel the pressure, like a lot of the guys did, that, you know, the pitching wasn't with them for a lot of the year, and that got to him, and they were just trying to do way too much. So I think once he's on a real big league team, even in the minors, where there's other guys who can hit the ball, and he's got some pitching who's not, you know, going to collapse every, you know, like, sixth inning... Uh, I think he'll, he'll bust out of it. But the point being is, like, you can't risk your payday on that. So we'll be seeing, though. He has not formally announced, to my knowledge. I don't think he – I don't know the deadline for the draft, but um, he's got time. And it is a guy who, theoretically, if he gets a bad draft grade, you know, if some if guys look at the regional and say he hit – he was hitting, like, 100 in the regional. So if they look at that and say, you know, the last few weeks of the season he was just not offensively that present, Then maybe it's worth coming back, but he is a guy who could come back. I think Morris of everybody is a guy who's most likely to come back out of like the trio of dudes that I think everybody's kind of watching. Birdsell was always the least likely. You know, he threw a lot of pitches this year. Uh, We asked him to take on some serious run time to help protect your bullpen. You know, I don't think Tadlock would ordinarily even throw an ace more than like seven, eight innings, and he threw Birdsell like eight or nine as much as he could. Uh, I think he burned out at the end and as a pitcher, and you got to go pro as soon as you can. Plus, he's already been hurt. like He already missed a year, so he he was gone for sure. The guy I actually would love to get back for one more year. Um, the guy I think that would be a big boost to the team, and I'm going to go out on the limb, would be Kurt Wilson. Um, Wilson started his career attack as a pitcher. He uh, then played basically every position in the infield, outfield, all around until he settled in there at shortstop, and the biggest thing is this year he explodes offensively. I mean, you guys probably remember this, but there were plenty of people who early in his career were asking why were they did they keep letting Kurt Wilson back? Because he was like a one ninety two twenty hitter most of his career at tech, was completely unreliable, struck out a bunch. Even when he did hit the ball, it was a lot of base knocks, nothing impressive. And then this year out of nowhere, he was the grand slam king and he just absolutely tore it up. And, you know, I'd be curious to see if he makes, you know, another Herculean jump in another year. And besides nothing else, he was a confidence booster to have him towards the back of your lineup really helped guys relax. And he was a big help take some of the pressure off, you know, your three and four spots. But Jack, I'm going to let you now take us away um, to a different topic, which is not just um, the future of the program, but we're, we're, let's talk about coaching staff. Um, there's been a lot of rumblings for years about Gardner, about other assistants. You know, the NCAA may be getting rid of the assistant policies for D1 baseball. I think now you can hire another coach um, and they may soon go to unlimited coaches for how everything seems to be changing. But, you know, when you're looking at the staff, what, what are some of the moves you would would like to see Tech make? from a staffing perspective, are we keeping it as is, are we focusing on facilities? What are you trying to see for the, you know, the kind of the behind the scenes part of the program?
0: So um, with what I'm seeing, all, all signs point to the assistant limitation is about to be dropped for baseball. As you mentioned, Um, I think it's, well, I would say about that is it's about damn time. Um, also, they it looks like they're gonna drop uh, some of the scholarship limitations for baseball, um, which also it's about time. Uh, for those that don't know, um, you know, I think football. I I don't even know how many scholarships football gets. Um, they get, I think they get around. I want to say in like the eighties or something like it's that. Eighty five, yeah, eighty five. Okay. So, 85 uh, scholarships. Uh, Baseball gets uh, 11.7. 11.7 scholarships uh, to fill what is essentially a 40-man roster. Um, So, if you see one of these people at a public D1 university that's on a full-ride scholarship, uh, they're pretty damn good. Uh, if if they're going to waste an, an entire full scholarship, I know that what a lot of the smaller schools do is they spread eleven point seven scholarships evenly among all the guys on their roster. Uh, that's one way to go about it. Uh, but anyway, with all of that being said, I think first and foremost, uh, you need to you need to elevate uh, Goot to a full-time position. I think uh, he's earned, you know, he's been a volunteer assistant for a long time now, probably I guess two or three seasons at least. And um, I think that it's about time that he's an assistant. Um, All the thoughts and prayers out to Ray Hayward as he's going through his uh, medical journey. Uh, As long as, as long as coach Hayward is away from the program uh, that that second spot, uh, or the, I guess the third spot needs to be filled. Um, and I, and I don't think there's a better person to do it than Goot. He's been with the program for years. Um, obviously played first base for Tadlock. uh, was on that first team that went to the college world series. Uh, then you can fill that volunteer assistant with someone else. You know, um, I've heard rumblings that uh that cam warren might be uh might be asked to do the volunteer assistant which i think would be a great move i've also heard other names from past teams like way back in the even before cam warren there are people that have uh asked about it uh but that didn't have the uh i guess the pull and the name recognition that goot did so I think that's going to be an interesting thing in the off season. Also, it seems about this time every year that uh, we always hear about someone trying to poach either Gardner or J-Bob uh, to go to their program. Last year, it was when, um, what's his name, left Arizona and went to LSU. And he tried to lure J-Bob away to be his head of recruiting and assistant coach hitting coach and, and Jay Bob said, no, I'm going to stay in Lubbock. But um, I think right now, probably the staff, I think Gardner seat was a little hot uh, earlier in the year from with, with what, with everything that had been going on. Um, I think starting in about the, I guess starting at about the Oklahoma state series, or maybe even a little before that he, his the staff came on strong. He saved his ass in a big way. Um, I'm not saying that he was going to be fired or anything, but he put the, the, the rumblings to bed, so to speak. Uh, that being said, I don't really see anything changing, uh, other than maybe Goot getting promoted to a full time assistant and then having a new, uh, volunteer assistant in this offseason.
1: Gardner's an interesting case because, you know, he has not been in most people's favorite assistant in Lubbock for a while. Uh, You know, right, wrong, or indifferent, the thing that has cost tech in most of its postseason runs the last few years has been bad pitching. The last few years in particular, it's, it's just been bad pitching. That's killed tech. But you have a very young staff this year, and they came on really, really strong late. And the other part of this, I don't think Tadlock's ever going to fire Gardner. I mean, Gardner may leave at some point. You know, it is something to be said that as much as Tech fans may or may not like him, he would be a hot commodity at a lot of schools, um, especially lower tier could even offer him some head coaching gigs. That's that's not unheard of for a G5 or somebody to come out and try to offer a guy with serious D1 baseball experience and success. Um, my personal point take on this is it does get worrying how often it feels like Tech is an arm or two short. Um, but I can't complain after the performance, you know, I don't know how responsible he is for the, you know, the complete turnaround in about a week, but you're going to get credit for the good. You're going to get blamed for the bad. So he's going to get credit for the good. So I don't think there's any chance Tadlock like moves on him. I don't think Tadlock like ever plans on moving on and that's his guy. And, you know, you've had some MLB pitchers, a whole bunch of them had their debuts recently. So it's not like tech has had untalented staffs. They just haven't had some kind of what Texas has had. You know, if you look at the Aggie Garrido teams before he left and some of these David Pierce teams, they've had phenomenal staffs. And it's just now with the better system installed that they've started to win again. Um, So I I think if anything's going to happen, I would hope that the university invests in the stadium. Um, I don't think you're going to see any major coaching changes. I don't think you're going to see any new raises for anybody but I would really like to find out that we're willing to put down, you know, another five, to $15 million into that stadium. These, the new facilities that they've announced are great. That's going to help with recruiting, but it just, our stadium size is more comparable to Georgia Southern than it is to other programs of the same caliber. Um, And that that's where I would like, to see the money go. If we're going to spend money this off season on baseball and really do something, I'd like them to find a way to add, you know, 2000 more seats to the stadium, bo- boost it up a little bit. Cause it just, just kind of reality. It feels a bit like a high school stadium. It's a nice stadium, but it feels a little bit like just kind of a big high school stadium. If you've walked by it on campus, it's not very, you know, it doesn't demand attention when you walk by it. It's not like the Jones, you know, football stadiums are always huge and massive, but even if the Jones was smaller, the architectural style, how it feels would would have a presence on campus the the baseball stadium blends into the background it's it's not very impressive um it's, it's perfectly adequate it's nice don't don't get me wrong it's not like we haven't spent money building a nice stadium it's just it's a little small it it was better for a, a different time in tech baseball and you've just outgrown it the, the support's there tech averages like 3,500 in the seats in the stadium um, despite the fact that a lot of baseball games are played in the middle of the week. And as the team continues to win, you know, you'll, you'll be able to get 4,500 average, 5,000 average, you know, just, you got to invest in it. Um,
0: and my last there, note there, baseball, uh, I will add real quick there, there are people. Uh, and I know that this is fact. There are people that have been on the wait list for season tickets for tech baseball for right at about six or seven years now. So that's, I mean, the demand, like you said, the demand is there. It just, the stadium doesn't have the capacity yet. And I think as, as, as more changes happen, uh, you know, with the, with the, you know, rumored new track and field stuff that's, that's going on and that gives you the opportunity to move out towards right field a little bit more, but it's there. The demand is there. It's just a matter of when. Exactly like you said, when will Tech, uh, you know, finally shell out the money to uh, not just get new facilities, which is great, but to really to really put, you know, Tech baseball, you know, at a at a at a notch above who with who they're competing with for recruits.
1: Well, the other thing about this is like the stadium isn't a bad place. You you don't have a lot of room to move. So there is it is worth having the discussion. Does it make sense to take the stadium out of the middle of campus and build it out kind of over by where like the ag college is and things of that nature where there's just a bunch of dead open space and plenty of room to build? And you can argue, well, that would take the students out of it, but it really wouldn't. You know, a 15 minute walk isn't going to be the difference between students coming or going to games. The USA is not centrally located on campus, right? Like neither is the student union or I'm, I'm the, uh, the fitness center and all that jazz. Like none of that's centrally located on Tech's campus. For those of you who haven't visited in a few years, the USA is isolated. It, it, is, it is a hop, skip, and a jump for a lot of people from the dorms, and it's a hop, skip, and a jump for a lot of people from anywhere on campus. You know, the football stadium's not exactly centrally located either. If you're coming from a lot of these dorms, it's a 10, 15-minute walk. You know, where most people live in dorms is Murdo, and it's not close to the jump. So you got to haul yourself down there. So I, it's not I, – I think there's a lot of discussions to be had about that. That's obviously a massive, expensive uh, adventure to go build a new baseball stadium. So we'll see what they do with track and field and all that because um, that will determine how much open space you got to even work with for parking and for all this jazz. But surely we can find a way to create a better stadium environment for a program that deserves it. Um, my last takeaway on baseball – before we close out here, is just in general, you know, this was not the most successful season for Tech, but despite everything else, you won Critical Series of Oklahoma State, you swept the Cowboys, you beat Texas again, um, you were literally a game away from the Big 12 title, despite everything else. You were one game away from being able to lift a trophy of your own. So, I, I well, this, the last two seasons have been disappointing from a postseason perspective, and this season was one of the most frustrating recent memory. Um, in fact, I think it is probably the most frustrating season under Tadlock, and that includes the one where Sam Houston State stunned you, because at least that regular season was pretty fun. Um, you know, despite all of that, you were right there in the thick of it. and I think that speaks to the quality of program you've got, where when even nothing is really going your way, you're able to finish it up. So, you know, Jack is going to have a ton of articles coming up about recruiting, about the season, about the future and all that. Keep an eye out for the off season. Um, we're going to start transitioning off-season time. These will be shorter episodes, varied topics. We'll stray from just the you know the true diligence attack. We'll talk in IL the landscape of college sports, the Big Twelve. Um, a lot of Big Twelve news coming up with scheduling. That will probably be our next episode. Um, you know, Kendall will have basketball recruiting for everybody as that continues to develop. You know, there, there's there's going to be a lot to talk about. It's just we're, without the sport focus, we're going to be a bit more all over the board. So hope you guys enjoy it. And um, thanks for listening. And we hope to continue to grow as we get ever closer to the start of football season. Um, Rack and have a good night.